I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Hot topics on not gambling advice. We're talking fantasy baseball hot topics. It is Wednesday, June 15th. Welcome to Not Gambling Advice. That's Colby Olson. I'm Peter Apple. What we got for you today is some of the most relevant topics around fantasy baseball. We have some injuries. We have some guys that we think will have breakout second halves. We have a couple players who have been doing really well. Are they worth a roster spot? And we have a couple stars who have been struggling mightily. Is it time to drop them? Colby, it was your idea to do fantasy hot topics, and I love the idea. How are you feeling today? about hot topics. I don't even know. I'm really excited about this episode because, you know, we kind of go in this, this routine of like, okay, we're going to do waiver wire pickups. We're going to do mailbag. We're going to do, you know, different checking in Cy Young MVP race. This is basically an episode where it's like, we each bring a ton of topics that we find interesting around the fantasy sphere and just throw them at the wall. And we chat about them and go, Hey, this is kind of interesting. Why aren't people kind of picking up on this? Cause I think there's, you know, in fantasy baseball, we're always trend driven. But that can also be a detriment, right? It's the same thing with betting, right? When 90% of people are on one bet, 90% of the money's on one bet, it's like, wait a second, wait a second. This is a little bit too good to be true. And I think that actually happens sometimes in fantasy where a guy that is owned in 20% of leagues actually might be a better fantasy option than a guy that's owned in 100% of leagues. And, you know, I think we'll get into that and kind of talk about that because I think it will, I won't spoil anything. We'll, we'll, We'll just get into it. And I think the a great topic to start based on what you were saying is maybe some guys who haven't had great first halves, but we think are due for great second halves, maybe based on some trends of previous years or just based on the raw data that we're seeing. Maybe these guys are getting unlucky. So I know I have two, you have one. So I'll start with my first guy. I'll then throw it over to you. And then I'll end with my last guy who I think will have a big second half. So the first player I want to start with is already off to a great June. And I, first of all, I think it's going to continue and I think it could get even better. That's Lourdes Gurriel Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays. So he started off fine, fine, I would say. He, you know, he started slashing 288, 330, 438 with a 768 OPS in April. It was fine, but then in May, he took a dive. He was terrible. He had a 534 OPS. But now what we're looking forward in June, we're looking at a guy with an OPS over 1,000 in June. And when you look at his prior history, he's always been a slow starter. In April last year, 572 OPS, 678 OPS in May. Then we see in June, he finally starts getting into it. And then August, September is when Lordy Scurriel really takes that next jump. We liked Lordy Scurriel at the beginning of the year, but he just, in totality of this year, 278, 336 on base, 397 slugging. We haven't seen the same power from Lordy Scurriel. We also haven't seen much speed. But what we know is that this Blue Jays offense, as they're continuing to get hot, He's the guy who's going to start going nuclear. I think you could add a bunch of power to your fantasy team. I think you could add RBIs, like I said, plenty of run scoring opportunities as the Blue Jays offense gets hot. I love Lordy Scurriel right now. If you can buy him low, get him low. If he's somehow available, he probably won't be on the waiver wire. But any way you can get Lordy Scurriel Jr., get Lordy Scurriel Jr. 
Yeah, I think I think you can get Lourdes Gurriel at a, at a really affordable rate, especially because he only has three home runs this far. He hit 21 last year. The power has always been there. It has never really shown through as being, you know, super elite. I think it's, you know, a little bit above league average, but his hard hit rate right now is around 47% on the year, which is, you know, over a big sample, one of the highest of his career. And this is a guy that has shown that he can be really, really good. He hit 308 in the shortened season, 277 with a 124 WRC plus back in 2019. Really solid player. Peter, I'm going to talk about another outfielder that I actually think could go even more nuclear than a guy like Lourdes Gurriel, and that's Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle was a guy coming into this season that he had the makings after hitting 33 home runs in his rookie season at 24 years old, a guy that could possibly hit 40 home runs this year. He's hit nine home runs this far in 50 games, which honestly, not that bad. He's hitting 254, 294, never been a guy that walks a lot, but a 430 slugging percentage. Peter, right now, he has a 313 Woba, just a 103 WRC plus. His ex Woba right now is 389. I mean, that's up there, at least in the top 10 percentile of baseball right now. But the craziest stat, the craziest stat that I just pulled is yes, his hard hit rate on the year is 49%, which is crazy. That's incredible. He has the hardest hit rate in baseball in June. At 69%. That's above Yoron Alvarez. It's above everyone. Literally number one. So I look at a guy that's starting to mash the ball and the results kind of aren't showing through. That just tells me it's it's mostly driven by bad luck. And I think this guy you actually might be able to get for even cheaper than Lourdes Gurriel. And I think he's in for an even bigger second half than a guy like Lourdes Gurriel. I think this guy is about... And when I say this guy, it's Ryan Mountcastle, because we always get yeah. comments like, why don't you say his name? Ryan Mountcastle is the dude. And, and you better I, go by. The reason why I love Ryan Mountcastle, too, and maybe more than Lordy's girl, at least in a fantasy lens, is because so much power we could see from Ryan Mountcastle. We could see months where he hits 10 home runs in a month. The, the only thing that sucks with Mountcastle is just he plays in Baltimore now where they moved the fence back 15 feet in left field for a righty that's the only thing where i think god that sucks for mountcastle you probably could have 12 or 13 home runs right now if it weren't for that i don't know exactly of course because i don't know how many fly out to the warning tracks he's had back there but at least i know that power has been down at camden yards due to that i'm curious as the weather gets warmer will that make that much of a difference for ryan mountcastle with a hard hit right like that it probably shouldn't just wanted to throw that out there yeah. as something that could possibly deter that it, it could p- deter, but yeah, I'm not super worried about that with Mountcastle because he hits nukes when he hits when he hits the ball hard. He hits the ball really, really hard. So I like him to bounce back, or not really bounce back. I mean, he's he's been decent thus far, right? He's kind of been status quo, but I think he's about to explode. And he, and my next guy is a guy who hasn't been as good as Ryan Mountcastle, hasn't been as good as Lord Lord Escuriel Jr., and has actually not been very good and has been dropped in many fantasy leagues. But this is the guy now, this is the buy low candidate because Kike Hernandez or Enrique Hernandez, maybe in fantasy, it might be Enrique, but a lot of people call him Kike Hernandez and Kike Hernandez is a phenomenal center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. And when we look at his past seasons, kind of like I did with Lordy Scurriel Jr. In 2021, he had a really slow start, similar to this year with the Red Sox. In April, he was all right. In May, he got a little bit better. June, he was slightly better, but still 
All three of these months, he had an OPS at 750 or below. But then we move into July and we see a 949 OPS, then a 926 OPS. And in October, he went nuclear again. It wasn't that big of a sample, but he just continued to get better as the season progressed. We even look at a 2020. His best month was September after he took July and August to get ready. And then we even look at 2019, same thing. OPS at almost 1,000 in July and August. So if we're looking at prior history with a guy with Kike Hernandez, it's not surprising to me that he got off to a slow start. What will be surprising to me is if he doesn't follow this trend of killing baseballs in July and August, like he has last year, the year before, and then the year before that. And then again in 2018, I don't have to go over the numbers because this is just a constant trend. He's a slow starter that in July and August goes crazy. Get him now before July and August because also when I look at the batted ball profile, like a bunch of stuff with his swing, there's not something where I see, oh, like that's a problem. I just see a guy who continues to get off to slow starts and then kicks it up in the second half. That's Kike Hernandez. I, are you worried at all about him being on the IL right now with a hip flexor strain, or do you think he's going to pop back from that pretty quick? Cause I, I don't think he's going to be on the IL for long. Um, but are you worried about that lingering at all? That was my thing. That was the only, that's why I prefaced it at the beginning with this guy hasn't been as good as the other guys. Like this is a July and August type hitter. Yes. Yep. I think the hip flexor is definitely something to monitor, but I wouldn't say that's a deterrent to me because like you said, I think he's going to come back fine. I think he's going to come back in the next week and a half or two weeks. Right. Yeah. He'll be back pretty soon. And um, no, I think you're right, Pete. I think from a fantasy lens too, this is a guy that's that is know, lowest point basically locked in to the Red Sox leadoff spot, which basically guarantees close to a hundred runs over a full season. That is right. That's yeah. kind of the easy way to Just think about rate. it, but yeah, I, I, he's going to be in for some good production the second half, and I think you're you're right. And and this actually could be a guy that could be on waiver wires, even in a 12-man league. He was on my waiver wire at one point in a 12-man league. He's on my waiver wire in a 10-man league. I picked him up yeah. yesterday. Like, it was just, I know what I'm going to get from Kike Hernandez. I feel like in the second half, a much better version than this. And even if it's not the 1,000 OPS, like maybe the hip flexor does hurt him. I still think... From prior history, if he gives up, give a gives us a 900 OPS, like even a full thousand points down from what he's done, and or 100 points down from previous seasons, that's phenomenal. I'll take that with the home runs and the RBIs and the runs, and he can even, you know, he's in the 99th percentile in sprint speed. Like he's still one of the fastest players in baseball. Can get you a couple steals too. This is just a very buy low candidate that I assume has been either dropped or is on somebody's bench, and now you know he's a second half guy. I think I'm going to move on to, you know, Kike kind of weaves me into talking about another guy that is not owned in many leagues right now, owned in just 20% of leagues. And actually, I think kind of fills somewhat of a similar role to Kike. I guess Kike doesn't steal many bags anymore, so maybe it's a little bit different. But I want to bring up John Birdie, because John Birdie, if you don't even know who John Birdie is, which you, you're fine for not plays for the Miami Marlins. He is not a big name by any means, but John Birdie has eight stolen bases in his last 12 games, which is crazy. That is the most by far in June. The second highest is five. He scored 20 runs in 32 games for the Marlins, and he is hitting either in the leadoff spot. He trades off in the leadoff spot 
and the six hole, just depending on who they're playing against the lefties. He's usually in the lineup at, in the leadoff spot. He's hitting 278 and he has second base, third base and outfield eligibility. A guy that's stealing at this rate, scoring runs at a high enough rate. I don't know how he's not owned in more than 20% of leagues. I agree. And, and this is kind of our next hot topic goes, does this guy deserve a roster spot with John Birdie? Because John Birdie has also been a guy who continually, continually gets hurt. That's his only issue. That's the only issue with Garrett Cooper, too. It's like these guys play so well when they play. But man, it's just can we keep them on the field? So is John Birdie worth a roster spot for the rest of the year? You say yes, definitely. It, I don't even know if it's rest of the year. I don't even think you have to think that far in the, in the future. I just think you, you take what he's giving you right this second. He's putting the ball in play a ton. He's walking a ton. He's stealing a ton, which like to, to kind of like, you know, I'll give you a, a better comp. I think Tommy Edmond is a great comp for what John Birdie's doing right now. I mean, legitimately the rate at which he's stealing bags is Tommy Edmond. Like he doesn't have too much power. He hits for a decent average. He's giving you good stuff right now. And I think if, if you can get Tommy Edmund light on the waiver wire. I think the reason I ask is because my next player too, like do these guys deserve roster spots for the rest of the season? Like, has this been enough for you to say, you know what, this is my guy. Not again, this is we're a hypothetical hot topics, more just has John birdie showed enough to you where if I'm like, you can't drop him. Do you see enough for him to be that good? Because regardless, you should pick him up now. But do you see this continuing enough that he will be worth a roster spot at the end of the year for the rest of the season? Yeah, I see it continuing. And I, and obviously, I don't play fantasy baseball that way. And, and I don't approach this show that way where uh, later this episode, I'm going to talk about a guy that I three weeks ago was like, this guy shouldn't even be at the major league level. And now I'm going to hype him up as, you know, he's made some changes, but that's the, that's the thing with baseball is it's so fluid and guys can make adjustments week to week that, but in terms of John birdie, I think that yes, right now he is proving that when on the field, he is needing to be owned in fantasy because of how many stolen bases he's going to give you, how many runs he's going to score for you. And he is going to give you an above average average right now. So yes, add him for now. Obviously if he gets hurt or he's slumping, you can always drop this guy, but yes, right now he needs to be owned. And another guy that I wanted to ask you about, I think you should definitely pick this guy up right now. Absolutely. You should pick up Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees. This guy is slashing 309, 356, 505 slugging. He's got five home runs. Jose Trevino even has a stolen base, Colby. You know, he's a stolen base. It's kind of cool. He probably won't steal many others. But from what I've seen from Jose Trevino, he has great plate discipline at the plate. He's not a guy who's going to walk an absolute ton, but he does have the highest walk rate of his career at 6.7%. And he doesn't strike out much. He puts so much bat on ball and he's got a 309 batting average. Of course, he's not going to hit 300 all year, but he's got a 286 expected batting average. The expected slugging looks good. And the Woba isn't that much higher than the X Woba. He doesn't have a crazy hard hit rate. So that's the thing. He's not going to hit tons of home runs, but a max exit velocity in the 60th percentile shows me that there's something in there. And he has the lowest ground ball rate of his career, highest fly ball rate of his career in Yankee Stadium. I think this guy, nobody's really going to touch him. And 
if he can give you that in the batting average department, like if this is like a 270 to 280 hitter this year, and he can give you some pop, and you know the RBIs and the run opportunities are going to come in the Yankees lineup, is this a guy that you think could be a starting catcher on maybe a 12 or 14 team league for the rest of the season? Because we know you should pick him up now. But do you see that moving forward? Because in a 14 team league with how barren the catcher position is, I'm thinking yes right now. I really like what I've seen from Trevino. I think he has great at bats. Yeah, he's owned in just less than 10% of leagues. And yeah. right now he is he has the third highest WRC plus among catchers behind William Contreras and then Wilson Contreras. Right ahead of Alejandro Kirk, I think Kirk will, you know, take him over here in the next week or so. Um, which but the fact I, that Trevino was ahead of Kirk and everybody's like, oh, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Kirk. Well, don't, for reason, don't, of course. Yes, but I'm yes. saying Trevino was that. I know you have a soft spot for Kirk. So if anyone says anything, it's absurdity to Colby. But seriously, with, with Trevino, the numbers are right there with Trevino. Like that, it's just, that's the matter of the fact. I would expect some regression, but Peter, I think you're right. I think he is, he is deserving of a look in fantasy and has now taken over the Yankees catching position from Kyle Higashioka finally yeah. because he's deserving of it. And, and I agree. Pete, I'm not going to counter that because I agree. I think Jose Trevino in deeper leagues should be rostered. I'm going to bring up, actually, this wasn't something I'd planned to bring up pre-show, but I want to bring up another catcher because this was a guy I tweeted about last week, and, and I think he's another buy low candidate. Keeper Ruiz has been so unlucky unbelievably unlucky and you talk about a guy with plate discipline 8.8 percent strikeout rate 8.3 percent walk rate i mean he's almost striking out less than he's walking which is crazy but his batted ball profile is all line drives all solid contact his woba is a 314 right now his ex woba is a 373 this is a former top prospect and a guy that i think you can buy really low on right now the nationals really don't have a backup catcher he's basically catching every single day or at least in the lineup he dh sometimes as well is he not owned in most in most leagues no he is I, i'm saying as a trade candidate i think you could you could potentially trade for him right now for pennies on the dollar phenomenal let's get into some injuries how about that some guys who you know are now on the shelf but we're going to find out who's going to fill in for them so right now off the top Liam Hendricks just hit the IL and straight away. This is an easy one. Go grab Kendall Graveman. He already has two saves for the White Sox. He has closer experience already with Seattle and even closed out some games for Houston as well. This will be the next closer. Go get Kendall Graveman before the rest of your league does, because he will be filling in for Liam Hendricks. Walker Bueller is now injured. Who is going to fill the role? For Walker Bueller. Now, this is a little bit of a tough one, but you know who's coming back from injury, Colby? Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney, the Heen dog, is coming back from injury. And Andrew Heaney performed very well with the Dodgers. He's about to make his third rehab start. I would go pick up Andrew Heaney because he's about to get a bunch of starts for the Los Angeles Dodgers, plenty of wins. And he looked just as good as Tyler Anderson before going down with that injury. I'm still on your Kendall Graveman thing. I'm actually looking to go pick him up in my league right now, live on air. This is how dedicated to fantasy we are. But I'm looking at my team, man. And this is another guy that you brought up to me, Prisha, that you want to talk about. Kendall Graveman right now, I am potentially thinking about picking up over or in exchange for Javi Baez. 
we're going to talk about him later. Let's not spoil it yet. Let's not spoil it yet, though. So what we got to talk about, so now that Bueller is injured, Andrew Heaney is that guy to pick up. I wonder if they recall Ryan Pepio. Um, I don't know if he's worth rostering, to be honest. That's a I tough would say one. that that Heaney Heaney should be the guy that, to get rostered yeah. there because they're paying him a good amount of money. Exactly, Heaney should be the guy. Go get him right now. He was available in my ten team league, so I was like, yeah, I got, I got him. And then of course he's probably going to be, be available in your twelve or fourteen team league. Hyunjin Ryu just went down and most likely will have Tommy John surgery. And I asked our Blue Jays guy Tyson who he thinks has the possibility of filling in, and I said, Tyson. Is it going to be anybody but Stripling? Because we kind of all know that it's Ross Stripling, but I was just looking for somebody else. Like, because we know what Ross Stripling is going to give you. He's not going to go deep in games. So there's not a great fill-in besides him. Because I asked him and he said it's possibly Casey Lawrence, Bowden Francis, Nick Alligator, and Anthony Kay, IL as well. Like these are minor league guys, possibilities, because Nate Pearson is still hurt. Ross Stripling seems to be like the only option. What I'm thinking here is that the Blue Jays are going to make a trade at the deadline for a big-time starting pitcher with all their depth. And obviously, we'll update you at that time. But it seems like right now, the best fill-in for Ryu is Stripling, and it's not a great fill-in. Stripling is the definition of a streamer. Like, I would definitely give him out one of these weeks as as a guy with the right matchup, as, as he's decent because he doesn't walk a lot of guys, doesn't give up a ton of hard contact, gets a lot of ground balls. He's just a streamer, though, Pete. So, yeah, I don't see yeah. much upside there. I agree. I just don't see much upside. Like, I, I don't. He's not even worth owning unless he has, like, an incredible matchup against the Royals or something. Like, he gets a not, double start, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just not really that worth it to own him. So, I, I guess I guess the main thing is if you're running to go get stripling, you don't need to. Unless you're in, like, a crazy, crazy deep league where, like, <laughs> it's just you're picking up anybody. So, Colby, what's your next hot topic? Because I just went over the injuries. Um, yeah, so I have, I have two or three, I guess, left. And the one I'll bring up first is another outfielder, speedy outfielder that I brought up as a waiver wire pickup, I think three weeks ago when he made his debut, Michael Harris, the second made his debut for the Atlanta Braves, I believe three weeks ago, maybe it's a month at this point. Um, but he's really off to a quietly great start. He's hitting 293 with 10 runs, seven RBIs two stolen bases through his first 16 games. His sprint speed is in the top 5% right now. The other thing about Michael Harris is Ozzy Albies just went down with injury. And I think he's going to stay in this lineup for the long haul at this point. He plays yeah. an excellent center field, arguably one of the best center fielders in the game right now. And that, and that you might be like, Colby, he just came up. What the heck are you talking about? But legitimately looks to be a, like a defensive defensively a superstar yes. out there but what i kind of wanted to compare michael harris to is other guys that kind of have this speed upside with a little bit of power upside and good run production and and i kind of want to advertise michael harris the second as maybe like a a randy rosarena light or even like a harrison bader light or even equal to harrison bader and harrison bader's a guy that's owned in 75 percent of leagues randy rosarena obviously owned in 99 of leagues but Michael Harris right now is owned in just 27% of leagues. And I think he's not getting the respect he deserves. I think Michael Harris, you know, shouldn't be owned in every league, but I think at least in 12 teamers, he should be owned primarily. Um, and 10 teamers, I think you got to give him a look because he does have this, this really good combination of speed 
a decent average with with run production in the Braves lineup and a little bit of pop in there, like sneaky pop. So here's my only thing about Michael Harris, and this is why the only reason I'm going to push back is because he's 21 years old. Don't you think that hitter, I mean, excuse me, pitchers are going to make their adjustments and he might go through a lull here in the next couple of months? You know, he's gotten off to a fast start. Um, You know, he's hitting fastballs pretty well. Um, He's actually hitting breaking balls pretty well. Um, And you know how quickly these pitchers start to then adjust to these type of players. If this was, I don't know, a guy who's, you know, been up a little bit already, or I don't know, any different version of, uh, excuse me, any different version of that, I would say, okay, maybe he's made his adjustments already, but a 21 year old in his rookie season now, pitchers are starting to see what he likes to hit. I'm seeing a lull coming from Michael Harris, if I can be completely honest with you. So that's why, like, I'm not rushing to go get him. I see a lull happening. Okay. I mean, that, that's fair. I, I, again, I'm a guy that thinks in my feet and looks at trends. And I think you can pick up a Michael Harris right now, kind of enjoy what he gives you over the next two weeks. If he starts the slump, he starts the slump again. He's not like, you have to marry the guy, yeah, um, but I think not the trend is what I'm seeing is, is he could be a, a really, really solid fantasy player. Absolutely. So uh, give me your next trend. Cause I only have one more. Um, okay. Let me know. Okay. So my next trend, we're moving on to pitching a little bit here. I want to talk about Aaron Ashby and Hunter green. Um, we've talked about these guys on here before, but I want to say that Aaron Ashby, who's owned in 50% of leagues and Hunter green, who's owned in 55% of leagues, they need to be owned in every, every league. Because I'll start with Hunter Green. Hunter Green is a guy that I came on the show two, three weeks ago, and I was like, this guy might not actually deserve to be in the major leagues right now, but obviously he's going to take his licks and kind of learn as he goes. And that's exactly what he's done, though, Peter. He's really made some adjustments in his last start. I just watched his last start before the show. And the thing I was looking for is, is he commanding fastballs upstairs? Because when Hunter Green is missing fastballs, belt high and under he gets smacked around but he wasn't he was commanding fastballs against the cardinals up you know at the shoulders a little below at the chest and guys can't hit 100 101 up there at the letters they just cannot touch it um he has a 3.63 xera right now a 5.1 era so big gap there the slider's elite which we already kind of knew 105 average against that pitch 40 percent whiff rate and then the last and final thing that, that really has me excited is that the walks have settled down, Peter. He has a 5.6% walk rate over his last five starts. The command of the fastball is improving. He has the makings of an ace. He's striking out 30% of batters, and if he's walking around 5% of them, that's just crazy. I'm going to get into Aaron Ashby now because I think they have a lot of similarities. So, again, Ashby, the problem that we've always brought up with Ashby is the walks. The walks have killed him, but the walks have cooled off. He's walking 5% of batters over his last six starts while striking out more than 30% of batters over that span. So Hunter Green right now and Aaron Ashby are, are striking out more than 30% of batters and walking around 5 to 6% of batters over the last five and six starts. And I'm just going to list some of the names that are striking out 30% of batters and walking around 5% because it's a freaking crazy list. Shane McClanahan's there, Otani. Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Severino, Nestor Cortez, Scooball, like all really, really elite names. 
and they have the comparison to Hunter Green, to Aaron Ashby. These guys we know are can be ace-level pitchers, and I think they're starting to make the adjustment where they're attacking hitters more, commanding their fastball well, and they need to be owned everywhere because they are aces. I just picked up Aaron Ashby today in a league. And especially, just, just piggybacking on that before I move to some stars who are doing terribly right now that I think you should probably drop, but Aaron Ashby, now with Woodruff on the IL, Freddie Peralta on the IL, they're going to need Ashby all year. This guy is not going to be, you know, bouncing back and forth from the bullpen to the starting rotation. He's a starter, and they need him to be one of their better ones. I think he's going to approach Eric Lauer. I don't think there's that big of a gap between Lauer and Ashby. I actually would say that I think Ashby is going to be the better starter out of the two of them, and I think you'd agree with me there. And on the Hunter Green side, most likely the Reds are going to deal Malley. There's not a big chance they deal Castillo, but it's definitely out there. Hunter Green will be giving starts this entire year, and they're just getting better and better with more time. Definitely pick up those two guys. They should be 100% owned because they will be, and even when Hunter Green doesn't do that well, he's still going to get you fantasy points because he's going to get you eight strikeouts. Like whether he even pitches well or not, same thing with Ashby. I mean, these guys are strikeout artists. So at their worst, they're not going to be as bad as a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example of a pitcher who's a good fantasy pitcher that doesn't really strike out guys who needs to have a good outing in order to get a bunch of fantasy points. I don't know, but all I'm saying is that both of these guys are pitching like aces right now. They have the makings of ace level stuff. They strike out guys at rates that only other aces are doing. And so even in eight team leagues, I would pick up Hunter Green or and even take a look at Aaron Ashby because your friends might go, you're crazy. Why are you picking up this guy? What do you know that we don't know? And, and that's exactly it. You, you, you know that they're an ace and that's that. Well, they're not aces yet. They're they strikeout and what you think both of them will be aces in this league. I I think in terms of uh, ace is always a tough. I know argument. It's, it's like the goat argument. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that they have, they both have the makings of stuff that other pitchers that are the best. In the that makes have. That makes sense. Cause I said Hunter green at times flashes best pitcher in baseball flashes. Yeah, absolutely. Not looks like it, but flashes it because it sometimes 101 with movement located at the top of the zone, then he drops a 93 mile an hour slider. You're just like, I mean, who else does that? Who else does that? No other starting pitcher throws 101 consistently. Yeah, literally. All right, let's move on to, and this is my last hot topic. It is slumping stars. And Colby, you got to talk me off the ledge of these guys because if they were on my team, like they aren't, both of them are not on my team for good reason because I didn't like them at the beginning of the year. And I'll just start. Eric Hosmer got off to a really, really hot start. He was hitting the ball pretty hard, but now in his last 21 games, he's slashing 190, 224, 228. If you can get rid of him, I would. I would try and trade him right now. This guy is just not that good of a hitter. I'm sorry. And then my next guy is Javier Baez. He has one for his last 39. In his last 40 at-bats, he has one hit. Out of all qualified hitters, Javier Baez ranks the lowest in WRC+. Now, the problem with Javier Baez in a fantasy lens is that in a fantasy lens, he can still give you a lot of value. But the thing is, Colby, you're shaking your head because you have Javier Baez on your fantasy team right now, and you hate it. So when you're dropping him, 
well, he's he's on my bench. And and this is Hosmer's already bad. We know he's bad. He's only owned at 45% league. Screw Hosmer and his ground balls that he loves hitting a hundred thousand miles an hour into the ground. Beyond that, okay, let's go talk about Javier Baez because I agree. He is the biggest fantasy conundrum right now because owners are starting to drop him. He his ownership has gone from yeah, 98, 99% owned. It started trick about two weeks ago. It started trickling down. It was like getting into the low 90s. Now I went and looked 83% owned right now. And I just floated to you earlier in the show. I said, dude, do I drop Javier Baez for Kendall Graveman? Legitimately where I'm at with him because yes, he's hitting 193. He's striking out 25.6% of the time right now. And for Javier Baez, that like that should signal good things. But the problem is, is he swings at everything that he puts a lot of bad pitches into play and he's not putting good contact into play. And is it bat suck, bro? It suck. sucks watching him hit. He has no plan. None. Imagine if he did have a plan going to play like Javier Baez. Again, you talked about Hunter Green flashing best player in the league potential like Javier Baez at his very best does flash legitimately one of the best players in baseball. Amazing. He just has zero plan. He has zero approach, and that's always been the downfall of him. But regardless, in, in past seasons, even without an approach, this is a guy that went consistently 30-20. And he has three home runs this year. He has one stolen base. He has been, frankly, one of the worst baseball players in the league. I think he's been the least valuable fantasy player this year. Like, if we had an LVP, like... You know, we're at the 60 game mark, right? Like if this was 2020, we just did that on the Just Baseball show, who would be the least valuable fantasy player? I think it would be Javier Baez because of where he was drafted. And you look at his savant page. Colby's in the first percentile in whiff rate, first percentile in chase rate. I mean, come on. And none of the advanced numbers are pointing towards anything good. My only, only thing, and why I still hold out the narrowest of hope that he could somehow be good is because in 2021, he went over to the Mets and had a great second half. But if we look at like a year like 2019, he actually, his best month was April. So this isn't a guy who is always off to a slow start and then has a great second half. He just did that last year. Is that something that he refines? I don't know. I don't care to find out with him. He's not worth it to me. I would drop him for Kendall Graveman. I mean, Kendall Graveman, because he's going to get saved for like a, a couple of weeks. I'm not going to drop him for Kendall Yeah, Graveman, yeah. But I don't know about it, that. You, but it is crazy that the thought is even there, right? The other thing with Javier Baez is the sprint speed's actually down a whole mile an hour and or feet per second. That is, yeah. sorry. Excuse me there. But, oh, man, I, 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 I yeah. I'm at a loss for words on Javier Baez. I think you got to hold out on him at least like until the all-star break and just kind of see, does he get something going, like some momentum going to the all-star break? It's kind of the Marcus Simeon conundrum that we were dealing with. Like this is a, a former superstar player, level player, at least. And from a fantasy perspective, absolutely. Javier Baez was going at a, a little bit lower than Marcus Simeon, but you know, in that range, 50 to 60 range, I think you've got to hold out hope for at least another month here and just hope that Javier Baez gets a little bit of something going. I guess. I guess you could. And it's probably a good idea to do so. Keep him because, on your bench, though. Yeah, keep him on your bench. I mean, he just can't hit anything. He has no plan up there. And if something changes, we will let you know on the next episode of Not Gambling Advice. But on Friday, we're doing the Rookie Report 
with Arm Layton, the co-host of the Just Baseball Show and one of the fearless leaders of Just Baseball. So stay tuned for Friday's episode. We're going over all the rookies, all the guys that you got to pick up. But in the meantime, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the sponsor of Not Gambling Advice. I implore you guys, click the link in our episode description to get a full deposit match on Prize Picks. But what's been the amazing thing is that we are hot right now. We have hit four of our last five prize picks entries and we always do five picks because you can if you go four of five you still 2x your money if you go five of five you 10x your money so always do the flex plays with us if you want to join my twitter is linked below as well i host a twitter space which is basically a collection of a bunch of people who come in and give their props so we pick the five best props of the day and we've been doing very well so click the link join us on prize picks and give me a follow on twitter so you can be there for the daily prize picks twitter space stream that we have on my twitter colby anything else before we say goodbye no i mean, I think the twitter spaces are such a cool way for if you want to have a little bit of a voice and a little bit of say in just baseball in our community in the actual bets that we're taking on a daily basis this is how you do it join the twitter spaces get prize picks it's such a blast such a blast and all the better value is always on prize picks um and and with that follow us on gambling underscore advice on twitter and it's not and it's not and on on justbaseball.com our guy clay snowden has been writing a ton of fantasy articles as well so if you're kind of getting bored listening to us hopefully you're not but if you're getting bored listening to us you can also read a lot of the written work on justbaseball.com so with that thank you